Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I want to start off today just with deep gratitude for being with you each and every week and being able to speak to so many amazing individuals with such great wisdom to expand our perspectives and our way in the world to expand how we can express. And so thank you for always listening in, for following. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, wherever it serves you to tap into all of the resources and definitely connect to 1111 Magazine, which is available for free online. And you can find out more about many other beautiful voices and individuals in the world sharing their gifts. I'm very excited about today's program because we are going to be diving into the mystery. And I do know the mystery well. Three years ago, I embarked on a Rebel Road tour where I decided I no longer wanted to be who I knew myself to be. I wanted to dive into infinite possibility and into the mystery, which I found was as much inside as it is on the outside. I wanted to discover all of who I was not and figure out all of the many talents I'd never tapped into. And so much of the book that we're going to discuss today delves into so many things that I discovered along the way. So I'm very excited to introduce to you Dennis Merritt Jones, who has been involved in the human potential movement in the field of spirituality as a mentor, minister, teacher, and lecturer for more than 25 years. He founded the Center for Spiritual Living in Simi Valley, California, sign symbol synchronicity. As many of you know, my nickname is Simi and led that for many years. He is also the author of How to Speak Science of Mind and the Art of Being. And today we are discussing his amazing book, The Art of Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It. And before I have him come on, I want to read a small passage from his book. From the day we are born, we are entered the mystery of not knowing. Until the day we leave the planet, the only way to grow is to step into the unknown time after time. The basic reality is that there is no area of our lives where we are not forced to step onto the pathway of uncertainty at one point or another. This includes our relationships, careers, physical health, finances, and so on. Why not enter the mystery consciously and intentionally every single day? Becoming friends with uncertainty is a wise thing. As we make living in the mystery a daily practice, We prepare ourselves for the adventure regardless of whether we are pushed onto the pathway of uncertainty by inspiration or desperation, or by pleasure or by pain. In either case, we shall discover it is a journey we can learn to love. Consider the art of uncertainty a guidebook on how to step into the mystery of life and love it. Welcome, Dennis, to 1111 Talk Radio. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thank you, my friend. It's good to talk to you. I appreciate you letting me share time with you and your precious uh, audience. Well, you know, I I think whether we want to or not, we really have come to the edge of uncertainty right now. Just (laughs) even even in politics alone, I think it pushed many of us to the edge of uncertainty. I I think what what yeah, what's what's gone on uh, in the recent politics has pushed every every button of uncertainty and fear of the unknown uh, you know with people that are they're reacting rather than responding and that's a, that's probably a good thing to talk about is 
is shifting from reacting to responding because that's where our power lies. Exactly. And you start the book off talking about either being pushed by pain or pulled by possibility. And right now we have the opportunity to choose a perspective of whether we're going to be pushed by the pain or choosing to be pulled by the possibility. Talk a little bit about that. Right. Well, in order, in order to, every given moment is, is our point of power. It's where creation takes place. We're creating our tomorrow today. And so the more mindful we can be in this moment of whether we're reacting or responding to what is in front of us, we'll realize that we're either drawing power to us or we're giving it away, one of the two. And the more we stand present in the moment and embrace the mystery, rather than seeing it as a threat, to perhaps even consider seeing it as a mystical experience, uh, it, it totally changes our perception which changes our experience of what is it doesn't necessarily mean that we're automatically going to change what is in the world but we can change our experience of it which which is a a tremendously uh, empowering thing to do you started off the book in a really powerful way and, and i think the analogy of it could be quite profound for people because you you say that we have a far greater attachment to knowing how the story is going to end long before it does and mm-hmm. that, that's much of the reason that we suffer. And you talked a little bit about uh, uh, reading stories to a little one and, and how you came to that conclusion that it mm-hmm. really is this repetitive story that we get attached to. Um, speak yeah. to that in terms of, especially today's times, you know, the story that we've gotten used to today and how that ending yes. is what we keep repeating. Yeah. Well, you're referring to an example I used in the book. When my daughter was very young, I would read her stories, and she kept steering me back to read the same stories over and over and over again. And I it, it was in a quagmire about it until I realized one day the reason that she wanted to hear the same stories over and over again is because she knew how it was going to end. <laughs> and there's great peace with knowing how the story is going to end. But guess what? That's not how life works. You know, when, when we're so attached to knowing how the story is going to end, meaning the story can be anything, fill in the blank, you know, we're going to suffer because it's putting us outside of our bodies. It's putting us in the future, and we have no business being there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I embarked on the Rebel Road, I found that the experience of bar- embarking into the unknown brought me to such a place of presence because I really did have to live in the moment rather than in the future. I had to to take in what was happening. And what I also discovered is there was an aliveness that came. There was an energy, almost a fountain of youth. There was a glow that was within me because I was diving into all these things that not only were unknown, but they became creative and and they allowed me to tap into courage and, and faith and creativity and all of these different places. And you talk about those being components as we make that leap into uncertainty. First, mm-hmm. start off with, with how it really energizes our endorphins or, or changes our physiology and our, our way of, of being in the mental and physical state. Mm-hmm. Well, anytime we, we allow ourselves to be present with our experience, we integrate uh, infinite intelligence, which is operating always in the present moment. It can't operate any place but in the present moment. You notice how often, I mean, our bodies are always present moment. They can't be any place else but the present moment. But our minds are aware a large part of the time. <laughs> They're either out in front of us or, or dragging the past behind us. 
And neither one of those places is where life is happening. So when we give ourselves permission, and it's really perhaps the divine surrender, to totally give up and trust that life knows what it's doing and merge with the flow of life in the moment, which is what mindfulness is about, becoming one with whatever your experience is, something magical, I think of it as mystical, happens. Because when we merge in the present moment, we merge with something, if we're mindful of it, we merge with something larger than ourselves. And that's the universe unfolding in the moment. And it knows what it's doing. That brings me back to a story that you told in the book about Disneyland and going to, uh, to Space Mountain. And, and I think that's another great analogy as to diving into the unknown and what happens. Will you share that little story as well? Well, as years ago, I, my wife and I took our grandkids, who were that, then very young, to Disneyland to uh, experience the... Uh, they're, they're, it, it may have been their second or third time to Disneyland, but the first time with us. Suffice it to say, they knew the rides better than we did. But because I hadn't been there in years, I remember as a kid going there in 1958 or 1960, and I remember the rides that, that resonated with, with me when I was a kid, and that was like the Autobahn putt-putt ride and the Jungle Cruise ride and, <laughs> and all these very safe, you know, kind of merry-go-round type uh, experiences. And so that's what I continued to steer them to while we were at the park. And they tolerated that for about two or three hours, and then they put their foot down and says, no more of this, Grandpa. We, <laughs> we want to go on some real rides. So they, the first ride they chose was Space Mountain, which if you've ever ridden it, is, it's a pretty intense ride. It's totally in the dark, and it's a fairly violent ride as far as how it jostles you around. I really resisted going on that. I'd never been on it before, but I'd heard about it. See, I'd already bought into other people's stories of how scary it was or how bad the ride was so i i gave up and got onto the ride with with the kids and and uh it was it was violent and dark and loud and and but at the end of the ride when i got off the 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 ride because i really surrendered to the ride and and trusted that i was going to come out on the other end okay because i saw other people getting out of their little space vessels being okay (laughs) okay i i gave up to the experience and trusted and and as i finished the ride i got out of the the ride and, and and I had that sense of uh, high energy endorphin rush that was going on because I had become one with the experience I gave up fearing it or fighting it and that's the the, the point is that every given moment of every day life metaphorically is the ride and every mm-hmm. day something's going to show up in our lives that may not necessarily be a safe pleasant uh, ride that we can see how it ends sometimes we have to dive into the ride and trust that there's something within us that knows how to get us to what's next. Shanti Gwain says, every time you don't follow your inner guidance, you feel a loss of energy, loss of power, a sense of spiritual deadness. You say in your book, The Art of Uncertainty, failure to do this has its consequences. Every action you take moves you one step closer to either evolution and expansion or redundancy and a reduction of your life force. So many people are caught in their rut. They're caught in their loop. And it is the failure to move out of that or the the fear of moving out of that that doesn't allow them to experience that amazing rush that you just talked about with all of its glory that comes with it. Speak to that uh, consequence that takes place and the spiritual deadness that Shakti Gwain is speaking of. Okay, we, you know, the, the living in the rut is a great example. You know, the rut is nothing more than a grave with no ends on it. And a lot of us get stuck 
in, in a rut living because it's, we believe it's safe there, but it's, it's really not because there's a place within us that is uh, that microcosm of the macrocosm called universe that is, insists on pushing out. It's evolving. It's growing. If you look at your fingernails, look at your hair, everything that's living is pushing out. It's growing. And so that life force is within each of us, and if we don't honor it and allow ourselves to continue to grow and unfold, it, what it'll do is it'll implode, and that energy will turn within and, and, and do destructive things to us. And so we, we get to grow either through inspiration or desperation. And inspiration is a much higher calling and a much better way, too, because we're pulled to the edge, as you said, rather than being pushed to the edge of change, you know. Um, you know, there, there's a great Zen saying, move and the way will open. Mm. Move and the way will open. But you have to step up out of the rut and come to the edge and trust. And that's a difficult thing for people to do because, we, can, as you said earlier, we continue to tell ourselves the same old story over and over and over again. And it doesn't create a space to step into anything new. Oftentimes people don't realize that the lack of movement can show up in our physiology and our actions as control. That that oh, can yeah. actually become the face of fear, the way that we try to control everything. And it can be yeah. a very subtle thing sometimes that we don't even realize that we're doing. How does no. control play into this place of well, uncertainty? We all, we all fantasize about being in control of our lives. We, we want to be, I mean, everybody's addicted to a need to control at some level. And what we re- need to realize is that the need to control is what causes us to suffer the most. And here's the, a blunt reality. So I invite everybody to take a deep breath and get this. The fantasy is you have control over many things. But the truth is you have control over nothing except maybe your next breath and your next thought. That's it. That's it. And when we begin to live with that sense of being out of control, not from a negative place, but being, this is part of the riot, it's part of the experiment, it's part of the joy of, of continuing to uh, live a life that has uh, a sense of fullness and passion with it. When we live in that place of right on the edge, amazing things happen to us because we make space for ourselves to be lifted into a new dimension or experience. Uh, grow or die. Universal imperative is grow or die. Grow or die. If we don't, living things that don't grow slowly d- reduce their life force and they implode. They die. And there's this urge, this creative urge that lives within every living thing that if it could speak, it would say, if I, if I, if I could speak, I'd, I have to be more tomorrow than I was yesterday. I have to grow. I have to push out. And if we resist that, either out of ignorance or fear, part of us begins to die. Our life force withers up. And if we allow ourselves to become aware of the level of control that is is creating the gripping of our hands on our families or on our jobs or on our finances Mm -hmm. or even on our health and and the gripping of our our brain cells and our thoughts on the beliefs that we believe have to take place for life to continue the way it is, we find ourselves looking at fear directly in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And when we look at fear in that way, we want to often run, but you yeah. say we need to really get comfortable with it, that we really have to face it. Yeah, that's, there's, there's three primary questions that I invite people to entertain um, 
to, to look at very seriously if they really want to understand how to live in the mystery of life and love it. And the first question you have to ask yourself is, what role does fear play in keeping me stuck in the rut or on the edge without the ability to move forward? We've got to be very clear on something. There's nothing wrong with fear. I mean, many of us wouldn't have made it into adulthood if we didn't have a strong modicum of fear guiding us, right? But the problem is sometime between our childhood and our adulthood, the boundary line of what to fear and what not to fear got blurred. And we carried a lot of childhood fears into our adult life where they don't belong. You know, a baby's only born with two basic fears, the fear of loud noises and falling. Every other fear is acquired, Including darkness, you know, the fear of darkness. That's acquired, you know. And, and you know, nothing scares us more than 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 go, look, trying to see what lies out in front of us, metaphorically, beyond our the, the periphery of our vision. And what happens is our mind rushes out into the into the unknown, and and we send our mind out like on a reconnaissance. Uh, uh, patrol and it reports back with all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't move forward, why we should withhold and, and fearfully stay stuck where we are. And and the reality is that when we allow ourselves to react to fear rather than respond to it, we stay stuck. You know, fear has a great acronym, F E A R. A lot of people know the acronym for fear as false evidence appearing real. The one I use in the book is a little more potent than that. It's a little more cogent. It's forget everything and run. Because that's, <laughs> that's what we tend to do. <laughs> that's what we tend to do when fear pop, when th- something scary pops up in front of us. We spin, we turn, and we run. Metaphorically, if not literally, we run to the refrigerator or the medicine cabinet or the liquor cabinet or the shopping mall. There's many barges of, uh, called not, uh, moving down the river of denial on a regular basis. But the problem is, when you come back from that trip, whether it's to the refrigerator or the, the, the drug uh, medicine cabinet or whatnot, that which we're fearing and we're running from is right there waiting for us, saying, can we pick up where we left off? So it's, you know, there's three points, three, three touchstones about fear, if, you, if, if I may share them, that I think would let help me have you understand. Let me have you share those when we come back from our commercial okay. break. Uh, As I dove into the mystery of the unknown, I discovered my own acronym for fear, and it became feeling excited about reality. Because when you dive into the unknown, fear all of a sudden gets transmuted. Our consciousness is the filter through which the unlimited potential of the universe flows. It determines the size of the box we live in. If we want to create a larger life, we must expand the size of the box, come to Mm -hmm. the edge, and lean over. This is what Dennis Merritt Jones says in The Art of Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It. What if you could learn how to be at peace with I don't know and embrace the possibility that the future is full of mystery, excitement, and unlimited opportunity? You can find out more about this amazing man and his work. Throughout his lifetime, Dennis Merritt Jones has been on a quest to inspire and lift people to high expressions of life. His personal vision is to guide people to their purpose, knowing that when people fully awaken to who they are and why they're on the planet, they naturally begin to share their gifts with humankind and in the process creating an enriching life for themselves and the world around them. Dennis is the author of the award-winning book, The Art of Being, 100 Ways to Practice Purpose in Your Life, as well as How to Speak Science of Mind. He is a mentor 
uh, a life mentor, a teacher, a lecturer, and a coach. So you can find out more about all of that at his website, DennisMerrittJones.com. That's Dennis Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T-T, Jones.com. And you can also find out more about the art of uncertainty. We'll be right back after these messages. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. The wisdom of letting go has been taught throughout the ages. It has been said that there are no voids in life because the universe abhors a vacuum. The moment we let go of something, energy in one form or another must rush in to fill that void. This is from Dennis Merritt Jones' book, The Art of Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It. When you get this book, you're going to find out it is filled with wonderful stories and analogies and metaphors, in addition to Dennis's beautiful wisdom, as well as points to ponder and personalize and mindfulness practices that will allow you to not only take in the information, but have an ability to integrate it into your own life. Dennis is an amazingly kind and compassionate individual that desires to assist people in being inspired and uplifted to their highest expressions of life. So if you want to access his books, his workshops, lectures, as well as personal mentoring, you can go to DennisMerrittJones.com. Dennis, I'd love to pick up where we left off and have you share the three questions around fear okay. so that people can contemplate cool. those. You got it. The three, the three touchstones around fear are, you know, there's three questions about uncertainty, but the, the questions about, the first question is what role does fear play in keeping me stuck? There's three points that will help, uh, help us understand how to deal with fear. Number one, understand that fear is not out there. You can run, but you can't hide. As I was saying, you, you, anytime, you know, fear can run faster than us because it's not outside of us. We carry it with us. And so when something pops up that's scary, the fear isn't out there. It arises, it stimulates something within us that reacts to that uh, feeling, and it's called fear. 
So just being conscious that you can run but you can't hide from what you fear is the first touchstone. The second touchstone is to understand that all fear is attached to a concern of death of some sort. Think about that. Now, by death, I mean loss. All fear is attached to a concern of loss of something. It could be logically a fear of loss of our, our life or a loved one's life. But how about this? The, 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 loss, the fear of the loss of a, a career or a lifestyle or a bank account or a health status or a relationship. So there's many, many areas where the fear of loss uh, kind of wraps itself around us. And once we begin to understand that whenever fear arises, if we could just ask ourselves the question, what is the concern of loss in this moment? It'll help bring us back into the moment where we can respond to that rather than react to it. The third touchstone is understand that the practice that they teach in the East is learn to dance with your fear rather than run from it, call it in close, embrace it like you're on a dance floor, and pull that fear in close to you, and whisper in its ear, oh, master teacher of this moment, what is about you I need to know so I can transcend you, so I can let you go. So it's not always about getting rid of fear, it's about understanding it and living beyond it. Mm, that's really powerful, very powerful, because so often, you know, uh, we're, we're never taught to really befriend fear that it, no. it kind of is the enemy, uh, just as yep. the ego. We are taught the ego is the enemy. And in fact, both of these things are here to inspire our growth and our change, our evolution and our involution. They are really here so that we do expand, but it is the mind that kind of turns it in on itself. It's the self-oppression and the self-obsession that, yeah. that cause us to be limited. Which is why mindfulness is so important. In all of my books, I include mindfulness practices at the end of the chapters because mindfulness practices help you come, bring to the, yourself to the present moment and see how you can apply these ideas in your life in real time in those days, in, these, in those moments. So the second question that you can use to, to uh, learn how to live in the mystery of life and love it is ask yourself this question, what do I need to let go of? And when do I need to let it go? This is a really important thing because we carry around a lot of baggage that if we learned that it was there and we learned to let go of it, it would free us to move into what's next. And a great example of this, you mentioned stories earlier, Simran. If you learn to listen to the stories you tell on a regular basis, they will reveal to you what you need to let go of. A lot of times people, they may know what they they need to let go of in order to move forward, but oftentimes they don't. And so if you just begin to listen to the stories you tell, meaning the things you talk about on an over and over and over and over again basis, you'll, you'll find that somewhere in the stories that you're telling over and over again will retell you exactly what it is you need to let go of, that you need to drop and move forward. See? And if you know this old, old country song, um, uh, That's My Story and I'm Sticking to It, like yeah, I love Ray. that in the book. The, yes. <laughs> yeah, but but the reality is, you know, if you tell a story often enough, it's that's that's your story and it's sticking to you, and yes. it becomes to and it begins to define who you are. And pretty soon, if you tell your story enough, often enough to people, they don't have to ask how you're doing when they see you because they already know. They know your story. <laughs> well, and, and when you talked about death earlier, Dennis, so often you know, letting go of that story or letting go of whatever the issue is, is is the dying of an identity, an identity we've decided to be, whether it is a victim, whether it yep. is an actual personality. 
That's yep. the real death that we have to get comfortable with. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. You, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We define ourselves by by uh, our history. We define ourselves by uh, by our experiences. We define ourselves by what other people have told us we should be or are, rather than diving within. Which is, by the way, what led me to re- write my last my most recent book, which was Your Redefining Moments, Becoming Who You Were Born to Be. It's about reaccessing the authentic self you were the moment that you arrived on this planet before you got slapped with all kinds of labels. <laughs> From you know, the moment you're born, you began to, people, other people began to tell you who you were. And, and pretty soon we forgot the authentic being that we came here to be because we're living up to all these labels that have been slapped upon us. Mm. And going back to your conversation around letting go, in the book, The Art of Uncertainty, you talk a little bit about timing and the importance of timing. Can you, can mm-hmm. you speak to that? Yeah. It's so important, you know, when we think we, there's wisdom that comes with knowing when to let go. It's not just knowing what to let go, it's knowing when. And if you're in touch with your, your, your mind and your heart and your body, you'll know when it's appropriate time to let go there's you know look at the seasons look to nature there's so much wisdom in nature that there's there's something in, innate in, in all living things that knows when it's time to release what it's holding on to and letting it go and moving on the four seasons the, you know the trees don't hold their leaves all year long they they shed them and animals shed their fur there's all kinds of ways that we can learn from nature that that if if we are in in touch with the rhythm of nature that moves through us, we'll know when it's appropriate to let go of what we're holding on to. So I also that, want to go. I also want to go into the area of of faith because when we're in that place of something dying or being let go of, or we're in places even now in the world where so many people, their perception is really seeing the chaos. Uh, and the division mm-hmm. that is in the world. We want to cling to faith, but yet religion seems to be falling by the wayside. Spirituality is kind of coming into form for more and more people. And then there's a whole lot of people that say, I don't know where I fit in either one of those. I want to have faith, but what exactly am I supposed to have faith in? Mm-hmm. Well, faith faith is, is an inherent thing that obviously comes from within yourself, and it comes by witness. For me, all I can say is that what has learned, what, what has taught me how to deepen my faith the most is spending time in nature, spending time witnessing how life works outside and beyond the human condition. And you'll see that there's an innate intelligence that, that occupies every, everything that has life force. And it knows how to sustain itself. But we, they, so the difference between ourselves and animals, they don't have an ego. <laughs> and they, don't have, they don't have something defining them and telling them what they should or shouldn't be. They inherently are guided to be what they are because they're in touch with their divine nature or their, their uh, natural instincts or the natural uh, instincts in the animal world for us would be intuition. When we learn how to access our intuitive nature more fully, we'll also have faith. Because there's a place within us that knows what we need to do and when we need to do it and how we need to do it. We just have to access it through intuition and listen to it. 
Yes, in the book, The Art of Uncertainty, you write, no matter what may be the inspiration, faith is an inner knowing that we are connected to something omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, something infinitely larger than ourselves that knows what it is doing. And that requires a deep level of trust that everything, despite the dysfunction it may appear as or the chaos it may reveal as, is inherently exactly the way it's supposed to be in that moment. In the moment, and that's, that's, yeah, boy, trust is one thing I had to learn uh, uh, growing up. It was the biggest challenge for me was learning how to trust, because I was given some experiences at a young age that proved that life wasn't a safe place. And so I had to, as I matured spiritually, really revisit what it was that caused me not to trust life and challenge those things and redefine myself based on a, a new relationship that I was having with the universe, with God, whatever you would like to call that infinite intelligence that knows what it's doing. If you don't believe me, put your hand on your heart right now. Is it beating? Yeah. You're, are, you, are, you, are you causing it to beat? No. There's something within you that knows how to make that happen. The same with the food you ate this morning for breakfast. Right now, it's being turned into skin and fingernails and hair and blood and tissue. Are you doing that? No. (laughs) But there's some intelligence within you that knows how to do that. Those are the things that bond you to a deeper faith when you just witness how life beyond our heads work. (laughs) You said something in reflection of your own life that I'd like to to bring into focus, and and, and it had to do with, with early experiences and a deepening of your spirituality that led you to the wisdom. I have mm-hmm. turned on the television or the radio so many times in the last couple of weeks and heard so many individuals speak in fear about, you know, mm-hmm. I, I worry about my children, I worry about the world for my children. And if we go back to that subject of letting go of the need to control and everything really is divinely right in the moment, regardless of what our views are of what should have happened or should not have happened. Mm -hmm. It means that whatever experiences we go through, our children go through, the world goes through, that ultimately it's all a spiritual process that is going to allow for greater wisdom and experience to be had in the end. I I get it. I totally agree with that. You know, and, and, you know, here's the, the way it works. Uh, we are always becoming cause for our own effect. We live in a universe that operates based on the law of cause and effect. We, as thinking, believing creatures, are becoming cause for our own effect. That means for us individually and collectively as a species. And so there's this collective unconscious right now that has become the cause to the effect of what's going on in our world. And so it's about more people waking up and being conscious and realizing that their thoughts and beliefs that they're pouring into the collective unconscious can change it, can make it a, be- a better creative environment. But right now, the, the bottom line is what's happening on the planet is, is because there's something in the collective consciousness of humankind, Emerson called it the oversoul, that is outing itself, that's revealing itself, and it's, it's inviting us to become conscious enough to become conscious participants in healing it. And the only way we do that is by becoming mindful of our own deepest inherent beliefs and thoughts and challenging the ones that are not productive, healthy, and affirming for life. You, you write in the book a, a piece that makes me think that that's what the world is trying to have us do now. 
I learned from my students and from the pursuit of my own career as a writer and performer was that it requires the courage to sing our song. That courage will indeed take us to the very edge of uncertainty, our comfort zone, that dark place that Erica Young speaks of where fear lingers. That is the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, perhaps even the fear of success. The only thing worse than failing at something is succeeding and not feeling worthy of that success. (laughs) Are these times asking us to rise up to what our hearts are calling from us, for the song that's in our soul, for what feels like inspired action to take place from within us? Is that Mm -hmm. part of the purpose of the chaos and the destruction or the dysfunction that we see? Oh, yeah. I, I think that, you know, life is trying to get our attention. The universe is trying to get our attention. One of the greatest ways to get our attention is through through uh, pain and suffering. And if we can be conscious enough to to see that it's that's like life trying to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, there's something you're doing wrong. You need to rethink about how you're interfacing with life. And the more conscious we can be with that, the more creative, if we can merge in the moment with life, we'll see that the creative divine urge is always pushing out through us. And it's inviting us to become part of that flow. But in order to do so, we have to access our authentic voice. We have to become willing to redefine ourselves based on who we were born to be. And that's, again, why my latest book, your, re- your redefining moments is, is such a powerful statement about this because it's guiding people back to who they were at that moment of birth when they came with that divine, unique imprint to bring the gift of who they are to the planet. And when people have been suppressing that gift, and it, for everybody it's different. And once they access that and give themselves permission to bring it forward, the planet will become a more creative, peaceful, loving place to be. It seems to be an earth reality that most of us have control issues somewhere in our lives that need to be dealt with if we ever want to achieve authentic inner peace, the kind of peace that passes all understanding. Often we struggle to maintain control because to be out of control pushes us right to the edge of uncertainty. And as, no, as we know, most of us are not comfortable there. Oftentimes we have an attachment to wanting to control people and their behavior when we really have very little ability to do so. This is from... Dennis Merritt Jones' book, The Art of Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It. What if we discovered that a new paradigm could be more fulfilling, more rewarding, and more peaceful than what we have known? Living in the I don't know and loving it is an art form that we can all master, and The Art of Uncertainty is a perfect guidebook. You can find out more about Dennis Merritt Jones at DennisMerrittJones.com. Also take a look at his book, the Art of Being and also Redefining Moments. We'll be right back with Jenna Spirit Jones after these messages. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen Eleven Eleven? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized. 
so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Greatness is the potent energy of life looking for an opening through which it may burst forth by means of each of us. Another way to think of it is that greatness is simply unformed divine potential, seeking fullness of expression at its own highest level. In the words of Ernest Holmes, your soul belongs to the universe. Your mind is an outlet through which the creator, creative intelligence of the universe, seeks fulfillment. You are the instrument for greatness. This is from the book, The Art of Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It, by Dennis Merritt Jones. He is the author of The Art of Being, and is also a writer with Huffington Post. He is a mentor, a lecturer, a teacher, a minister, and has multiple books. And your latest book is Redefining Moments, I believe, that people can also Redefining Moments. Your yeah. Redefining Moments. Yeah. And Becoming Who You Were book. Born to Be. Becoming Who You Were Born to Be. And you have another book that will be releasing in the spring of 2017. So It'll be the late ne- next year. Yeah. Late next yeah. year. Wonderful. Uh, talk a little bit about the third point, um, about what really just inspires us to dive into life, to truly okay. live that life of mystery. Okay, good. Uh, segwaying into that, uh, you, you were talking about faith. I just have one thought I want to share with that, and I'll segue because it segues beautifully into this third point. In the Tao Te Ching, it, it's written, when I let go of what I am, I become what I can be. And when I let go of what I have, I receive what I need. So developing the skill, skillfulness to understand that letting go of everything and anything at some point or another is the key to evolving ourselves to be who we came here to be. The third question that I invite people to consider when we're talking about how to live in the mystery of life and love it is the question I invite them to ask themselves is this. Do I take time to contemplate the gift that's been given to me, and am I honoring the giver of the gift by consciously unfolding and expanding and expressing the life I am? In other words, the gift itself that we've received, we've already received, and it's the gift of life itself. And what we do with our lives how we conduct our lives, how we evolve and unfold our lives is the gift that we give back to the giver of the gift, the infinite, the presence of God, the universe, however you want to uh, consider that. You remember that we're, you know, we're, we're soul beings and we're here to gather uh, information, soul-expanding information. And at the appropriate time, you know, when, when we've gathered enough information to evolve our sense of purpose and being, we literally eject the vessel, the body, and move back into the ethers from which we came. That's the divine mystery. But while we're here, the gift, the, the greatest gift that we can 
embrace about the gift of life is to understand that a human life is a breathtaking gift. It is a, it is a pearl of great price, and yet we take the gift itself for granted. We get so swept up with the what's going on in the world and all the doing that we forget to put life on pause and just be, to breathe in, to contemplate the amazing gift of life itself. And contemplating the gift of life itself, there's a great, and I give this analogy in the book, there's a great metaphor that comes from the Indians, teachings of the Indians of the East. And it's referred to as the mystery of the three miracles. And we talk about contemplating the gift of life itself. And there's three miracles that were, were given as a practice to consider to, to deepen our awareness of this gift called life. And the first miracle is that anything exists. Consider that just for a moment. The fact that anything exists, the planet, animals, the stars... What a miracle that it is that, that everything that is that we can see exists. The second miracle is that living things exist, that there's life force in things, birds and puppy dogs and trees and flowers that pushes out and knows what it's supposed to be. What's not miraculous about that? And then the third miracle is that living things exist that know they exist. See, that's self-awareness. That's self-awareness, and that's where you and I and every person listening to this program come into play, that we become so self-aware that we realize we know that we exist, and when we can interface our knowing that we exist with our daily lives, here's what happens. When we contemplate the miracle of the mystery, when we know that we exist is to look directly into the eyes of the beloved, of God, of life, however you want to think about it, Every time we look in the mirror and to realize that we're here, our purpose to be here. And, and you said it so beautifully, Simran, at the beginning of your introduction of your, your program. So you said, we, to, we're here to expand how we express. And that's so beautiful because that's, what, that's, that's our purpose for being here, to expand how we express life, to become a living, breathing vessel through which life expresses itself. And see, that's when our, our doingness merges with our beingness. And that's when uncertainty ceases to be because uncertainty is a human invention. The universe doesn't know anything about uncertainty. Mm-hmm. It's just pushing out at the speed of light. It's human beings that created uncertainty because we're, we're, we don't live in the present moment. We push ourselves out beyond the present moment. Now, that doesn't mean that the mystery will ever cease because we've chosen to be one with the mystery as it unfolds, our, our mission and our purpose. So the mystery will always be, but it doesn't have to be approached from a place of fear and uncertainty, but in awe. To be in awe of the mystery is the most amazing thing. And as long as you're here and you're breathing air, you have more to do. I love Richard Bach in his book, Illusions. He said, here's a test to know if your mission on Earth is complete. If you're alive, it's not. <laughs> so when I hear you talking, it, the, the the imagery or the the wording that came to my mind was, we we can either be in the perspective of self-centered, where we don't notice the rest of the world at all, or we can be in the place of centered in self, where we realize that we are this 
small seed that is here mm-hmm. to embrace all of the world as nourishing us as we grow Beautiful. into it. And, and so it's, it's, it's an amazing miracle that we are even able to grasp that this entire existence is here to nourish us as the small yeah. seed. And that's, that's the gift right there, Shimon, is, is next time you, and I say this collectively to all of your listeners, the next time you go and stand in front of the mirror, don't just look at that image. Look into the eyes of that being that's standing there in the mirror with you and look beyond all the labels and look beyond everything until you see the presence of divinity, of infinite intelligence looking back at you. And when you do that, you'll get God bumps. You'll, you'll, you'll receive that divine impulse that says, whoa, I am here on purpose. The universe doesn't make mistakes. I'm here to be me. Well, and you talk That's in the book that so often our attachment to approval or our attachment to things is what creates the fear of rejection or the separateness or the criticism yeah. that we think we're yeah. going to get. But that's mm-hmm. that self-centered place, whereas if we really knew that we were part of all of the mystery and that it was here for us, then all of a sudden we would realize we've already been accepted. We've already been yeah. included. We're already one with it. Beautifully said. You know, Buddha said, Buddha, the essence of Buddha's teachings is attachment is the cause of all suffering. And when we learn to be unattached, suffering will diminish tremendously. So just ask yourself, what are you attached to in this moment? And sometimes it's, uh, I need the approval of others. Sometimes it's wanting to control others or control what's going on. You're attached to p- physical, material possessions. Anything that you're attached to, sooner or later is going to come and go. And, and as long as you're attached to it, you will suffer. There's a statement in the book from your, from your book, How to Speak Science of Minds, that, that mm. I just think is beautifully profound. And it is, the law can be either our servant or our master, depending mm-hmm. on how consciously we approach it and how wisely we make use of its awesome power. And to me, that can really be applied to both universal law and civil law in a tremendous yeah. way. Talk about being servant or master when it comes to the law. Well, the, the, the universal, uh, you know, the, the, the impulse of, of the universe is, is, is it only knows one word, yes. The universe only operates on an affirmative uh, basis. And it, whatever, irrespective of what we put into that, that uh, the machinery of universal law of cause and effect, it's going to say yes. And so it can be our servant if we are conscious and aware of how we program it by thinking and, and believing uh, in, in an affirmative manner, or if we, and, and in order to do that, we have to be mindful and, and be the conscious witness of what we are thinking and feeling, or it can be our master if we live in a reactive place, which is where a lot of people are right now. They're reacting to what is, and and what was it um, in, the, in the scriptures, was it uh, Job that said, that which I feared the greatest has come upon me. You know, <laughs> when, it, when we're not conscious and we live in a reactive manner, especially based around fearfulness, we become cause to the effect of that exact thing that we fear, and it just creates more of it. So this is a call for mindfulness. This is a call to be conscious and present in the moment. Emotional awareness is a great practice, too, 
which I talk about in all my books, because your emotions will tell you what's going on in your mind. If you can be in touch with your body, your physical sensations, and find out where, where they live, it'll tell you what's going on in your mind that maybe you need to be aware of and look at and maybe challenge and therefore change. When we think about the word uncertainty, Dennis, and the art of uncertainty, it, it, it would be easy to kind of go to the next word, which might be doubt, because if we're uncertain, then we might doubt. But in fact, where we need to go is commitment, and you speak a great deal about commitment. How is that actually the real relationship to uncertainty rather than the one of doubt? Well, commitment is is embracing what is and moving forward with faith and trust. You know, uh, doubt, you know, my mom used to say, doubt, learn to doubt your doubts, son. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's no mistaking the fact that doubt arises from unconscious fear, sometimes conscious fear. And that's not to say that you shouldn't listen to your doubts and, and look at them and respect them and challenge them. But at least understand that sometimes your doubts are or uh, fear in one of its greatest uh, disguises, making an effort to keep you from moving forward with unfolding the life that you came here to have. And it, it takes courage. There's no question about it. It takes courage and commitment to be who you've come here to be because the world doesn't want you to be who you've come here to be because the world will lose power over you the moment you become uh, authentically yourself. And that scares the world. My guest today has been Dennis Merritt Jones, and he will tell you that the mystery which is calling is one of the best ways that you can have a sense of peace, confidence, and certainty. Have a vision for your life. The kind of vision is not one that comes as a result of using your physical eyes, but it comes as the result of using your heart and your mind. Having a vision for your life is the use of the inner eye to see the possibilities for something wonderful before it even manifests. This is from the book, The Art of Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It. You can find out more about everything Dennis Merritt Jones does at DennisMerrittJones.com. My guest next week is Carolyn Baker and Andrew Harvey, and they are going to be talking about joy in their new book that is coming out. So I look forward to being with them. Definitely connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, anywhere that you can. I'd love to stay in touch and love to share more of what I have to offer with you. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love, and in deep gratitude to Dennis Merritt Jones. Take care and be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.